On today's episode, I'm joined by Jacob Morrow and Miles Neville, and we're talking how to zero a rifle and how not to zero a rifle. We'll walk you through different tiers. We start with kind of an entry-level hunting rifle setup, then we walk through a precision hunting rifle setup, all the way up to a competition rifle and how to get those rifles properly zeroed and some of the pitfalls that some of the people seem to fall in. And then we end the show with how they zero their thermal optics for night hunting. This one was great to talk to these guys and get their insight. We hope you enjoy it. I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Hornady Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik. And today, across the table from me, I have ballistician Jacob Morrow and project engineer Miles Neville. Guys, thanks for coming on the podcast. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for having us. Top of the morning. Now, before we get started on today's topic, you might notice we're in a little long sleeve action. Well, it's 57 degrees this morning out at the Swerzik property. And uh, we got these really nice quarter zip, little dark camouflage action. Check them out at Hornady gear.com if you guys are interested in wearing some of this stuff uh but the days a little bit colder in the morning and i'm starting to get pretty excited for hunting season that is something that it, it just makes the world go round in our office here it really does and with that i start getting real nitpicky with some of my equipment and my gear because we've got hunts that are starting to get planned and coordinated and i want to make sure all my lowercase j's are dotted and one of those things is zeroing a rifle and making sure that you have a really good zero so that you can stretch the legs if you need to and you can hit what you're aiming at because nobody likes to shoot and miss what they're aiming at. So I want to walk through you guys, with you guys and get your opinion on zeroing a rifle and maybe more so how not to zero a rifle. And I want to walk through a couple different tiers. You know, let's talk about the guy that gets a brand new rifle, you know, you go to the gun store and maybe it's got a, a, a scope on it from, you know, you buy a package deal or something. Let's walk that guy through how to zero the rifle and how not to zero it. And then maybe transition to like, maybe more of a precision hunter, you know, you know, we have a precision hunter line of ammunition, right? And that's for hunting at all practical ranges. So you might have to stretch the legs a little bit. How do you zero that rifle? How do you work with barrel heat if you're trying to shoot higher round counts? And then we'll go to the PRS guy, the competitive shooter. How do you guys zero that rifle? Because in that competition, you are really pushing the boundaries of distance and precision. And you have to know if the reason you missed, was it wind? Was it an elevation problem? Or was it just simply you have an off zero? We'll talk about that. And then if we have time, I'd really like to get your guys' opinion on thermal zeroing. That's something that you guys both do quite often. I know you do together. And that's kind of a new arena. It's not new per se, but it's becoming way more mainstream because the cost of entry is slightly lower than it used to be. So let's dive into that if you guys are game. Let's yeah. start with, you go to Sportsman's Warehouse, you buy the package deal, you get your Savage with a factory 3 to 9 scope bolted on there for you in 6.5 Creedmoor. You grab a couple boxes of ammo off the shelf. Out the door you go. What are you guys going to do to zero that rifle? Because I know I have witnessed this at a public range where that exact thing happened. Guy sits down, blasts his first shot off at 100 yards, 
and then is asking anybody if they saw where it went and why there's no hole in the paper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing I do anytime, any rifle, regardless of budget or whatever the application is, uh, especially if it comes as a package deal in like a store, rip all of it apart and go through from the scope mount, the base on the receiver, tighten all the screws all the way through and, mm -hmm. and look for the manufacturer's, you know, torque specs. Yeah, torque specs. But make sure that your bases are tight to the receiver, for one. Make sure that your rings are tight to the bases, if they're a separate unit. And then make sure your scope cap rings are tight, but not crushing the scope tube tight. Yep. Um, and level. Yeah, yeah. And make sure your scope is level. And um, I guess we can get into that a little Well, So, like, yeah, you're adjusting, you're using your scope to adjust for gravity if you're doing long-range shooting. And that may, not, may or may not be applicable to, like, this budget scenario. But... Whichever you're going to use, whether it's the reticle or the scope or the elevation turret, they should theoretically be on the same axis, but not always. Uh, so whichever one you're going to be using is the one that needs to be level with okay. gravity because you're adjusting for gravity. So make that level with gravity. Right on. And, and a lot of people just level it to the base underneath, you know, the level it to the rifle, make it all straight up and down. That's fine. But then if you know that you don't hold the rifle straight up and down it's really no big deal to level the scope level while you hold the yeah. rifle crooked especially for traditional range type scenarios and you're talking 300 yards and in maybe right. even 400 oh, yeah and for 300 yards and in yeah it i you could probably just do a basic level off the off the rail or whatever and you'll you'll probably be fine you're not yeah. If you're not, and if you're not adjusting for elevation, if you know the deer come across at 126 yards from my heated, you know, stand with my lazy boy sitting in there and eating pancakes the whole time. Dude, that sounds like goose hunting, <laughs> not deer hunting. <laughs> um, but if, if that's what you know is going to happen though, every single time it's going to be less than 200 yard shot, then uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it's even less of an issue. If yeah. you're not, it's, but you're not ever going to adjust your elevation turret or anything yeah. like that, then don't. Don't sweat over it. Yeah. Get it level. If you have right. a variable, you can control, control right. it. So yep. you're saying start off with mechanically, make sure everything is uh, right. got a proper fixture. Yep. And then the next thing I'll do is bore sight it. I'll pull the bolt out and then set the rifle up on two sandbags and then point, look through the bore and point it at something at least a hundred yards away. Okay. So pick an object that's like a street sign, something that's easily, easily recognizable, um, point it in a safe direction, obviously like don't, whatever. Or, yeah. or your target if you're at the yeah, range. Target yeah. Target at the range is, yeah. is fine too. Um, but point that and then look through the bore at whatever you have isolated and try to get that straight in line with the, with the center of the bore. And then without moving anything, come back up and look through the scope and, and make sure that where the crosshairs are pointing is like pretty immediately in the area of the object that you're trying to point the bore at. Yep. That's a big one. I think a lot of these package deals that you buy at Sportsman's Warehouse, they'll say laser bore sighted, which is convenient that they, yeah. they would do that. But I have seen some stuff that doesn't even hit in the same universe or, right. you know, you bore sighted and you're like, wow, that's well, way off. Yeah. And so there's scope over bore too. So if they bore sighted it at 25 yards against a wall, well, yeah. you, you're looking way low from, you know, that angle is going to shallow out the further right. out you go. So. Yep. And I think a lot of shooters, you know, and, and maybe I'm speaking of generalities, but I feel like there are a lot of shooters that don't quite understand how simple bore sighting is. And that's exactly, the name is perfectly descriptive. You look down the bore. It's, it's really nice if you have, like you said, two sandbags or maybe even a lead sled, which I'm not typically a fan of, but for this scenario, 
If you've got a lead sled or a bipod and some sort of eared rear bag that you can really get this thing dialed in with, then don't touch it and position it so that you're looking straight down the bore. Again, right at about 100 yards is perfect, and you can look through the scope without manipulating the rifle and adjust those turrets so yep. that yep. you're... What you're seeing in the center of your bore is what you're seeing in the center of your scope. Yeah, yep. and it, even though it sounds somewhat intimidating, but is really simple in concept, uh, another really good alternative is just sighting in closer. Start sure. out at 20, 25 yards, and you know, you've got a lot bigger target, theoretically, well, not theoretically, it's going to have a, a bigger area to miss. Mm -hmm. So if, just fire a couple shots at 20, 25 yards and start walking that bullet in, and you want to set it up about an inch to two inches low because that. Again, your sight is going to be higher than your bore, so that's where that's coming from. But you get it set up so you're an inch or two inches low at 20 yards, mm -hmm. you're going to be really close at 100, and you'll, yep. you'll be able to dial it in from there. There's no shame in taking a couple shots closer to get it on paper. I'd rather do that than Waste spend time. 5, 10, yeah. 20 shots at 100 going, I don't know where it went. Right, and then, you, and then after the fact, come back and go, go <laughs> yeah, to 25 Yeah, there, there's always anyways. that guy you see yeah. blasting rounds at 100 yards, That's not never, hitting the yeah, paper. Never yeah. been any of us. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. Well, younger Seth, I'll share some stories about younger Seth zeroing rifles, but uh, Jacob, to your point, I think, Miles, like you said, you get that, that uh, bore sight, do it at 100 yards. With those rifles and, you know, kind of a traditional range type hunting rifle, or even an AR-15 that I'm not going to shoot very far, I'll do that, I'll bore sight it at 100, and then I shoot it at 25, and oh, I yeah. put it, yep. you right. know, two to one inch low at 25. Usually my first uh, shots with a rifle when I'm trying to get it zeroed are at 25, and, and truthfully, whether that's one of my precision hunting rifles or one of my competition rifles, we've got a downstairs ballistics lab with a 25-yard tunnel and a 200-yard tunnel. My first stop is the 25-yard tunnel, and I put it about an inch and a half low at 25 yards, and then I go over to the 100-yard side. Yep, absolutely. Back when I was running the, the downstairs tunnel, that was one of the policies I had is if you didn't 100% have 100-yard zero, you have to shoot in the 25-yard tunnel yeah. first, just because there's expensive equipment down there. You don't want to hit it. Yeah, that was. I was going to say, yeah. there is expensive equipment down there. I don't want to be ricocheting stuff. Exactly. And or bouncing it off the tunnel walls. Like, yeah. That's not a good thing. <laughs> no. So that 25 yard is really helpful. Take one or two shots is really all it takes to, to tell you where you're going to be. And then you can move on to that 100 yard or 200 yard if that's yep. where you're headed and really start to dial it in. And one of the points I wanted to share, younger Seth, with the 257 Roberts, Ruger M77. And I'm going back way younger, Seth, like 12, 13-year-old Seth, shooting Hornady Light Magnum. And that rifle, I've said on this podcast, not particularly accurate. Accurate enough, but now that I'm in the world of accuracy, uh, it's not, <laughs> didn't, wouldn't cut the cheese here, but uh, I would shoot one shot, and then I'd make a correction. And then I'd shoot another shot and I'd make a correction. And I was making corrections off single shots. And I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And what I was doing was shooting a two to three inch group, but I was making adjustments off the one shot where it landed. Right. And yeah. I'm guessing you guys have seen that as well. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> not knowing any better, you think, well, if I was exactly the same and the shot broke the same, then they should all go into the same hole. Yep. And uh, as Jaden explained in that one podcast we did, that's not necessarily <laughs> yeah. the case. Yeah, dispersion yeah. is a cone of fire, not not a point of fire. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, that's that's definitely a good. Uh, yeah, once you've once you've got it dialed in to about where you think it needs to be, yeah, that's when it's time to start yeah. shooting it, three at three five. I mean, it depends on application. I know, like, yeah, <clears throat> I always advocate as many as you can. Twenty yeah. is what I usually do, regardless. Yeah. But, but on a, I I know not everybody can or wants to do yeah. that, or doesn't even really need yeah. to. If you're going to say in this application, we're if you're talking shooting about a hunting deer rifle. size vitals and you know it's going to be less than two hundred yards. If you're off a quarter or a half minute, big deal. Yeah. Know? But definitely shoot a group of some kind. Right. Three, yeah. five, whatever yeah. it is, before you make that, that correction. Because if you're shooting minute and a half groups, but you make a correction off of one shot, you might overcorrect, you might undercorrect, right. and then you're going to be even more confused. Yep. Yeah. That, now, there is definitely a, a circumstance where shooting one shot and correcting would be applicable. Say you're shooting and you're 12 inches off the bullseye like yeah definitely crank 12 minutes into your scope to, to get that where you think it should be centered up yeah. but once you're starting to get within probably two three inches of the bullseye that's a really good time to start shooting a three or a five shot group and then fine tuning your your yeah. zero because you're going to be wasting shots if you're shooting five and you're a foot off because yep. you know you need to come over yep. yeah another good thing too is get yourself just a big a big clean target yeah. There you go. Because I know guys that have tried to go out and use the board that's still stuck on, you know, yeah. from the last guy and like trying to differentiate your bullet holes from their bullet yeah, d- holes. Don't and- worry about your ego. <laughs> Put a new big sheet of cardboard up there with a fresh target. Yep. Excellent. And one, one little trick, if you will, it's a pretty common trick, but so if you, like Jacob, you said, you make that gross adjustment if you're way off. Yep. Then you shoot a group and you're real close, but you're not perfect, but you're close. So you shoot a group. What you can do, especially if you've got a really good fixture to hold your rifle steady, is you can shoot your group and then aim at the center of the target and adjust your scope so that the reticle moves to the center of that group. And then when you shoot another group, you'll be right in there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Back, in, back in the day when, you know, young Jacob was shooting a duplex rifle, he didn't have that big mill hash mark to measure how far stuff was and didn't want to have to call the range cold to go down there and measure it to know exactly how many minutes to click over. That's that's exactly what I did. I'd either try to hold it as steady as I could and then click the turrets over till it lined up with that bullet hole, or I'd have a, a friend come over and, and dial the turrets for me while I was looking through the scope so I could tell them what way to go and yep. when to stop. Yeah, but that's a handy little trick to get you yeah. dialed in. So to summarize, you know, kind of the the everyman rifle, just a, a basic hunting rifle, smaller profile barrel, traditional range shot distances, no big giant fancy scope. Just boresight it. Do it yourself. It's not hard to do. Get comfortable with boresighting a rifle. So that'd be one thing uh, to take away. Just boresight the rifle. It's easy. It costs nothing to do. Yeah. And it's going to save you some bullets, likely, from launching stuff downrange and not knowing where to hit. Number two, like you said, Jacob, check the ego. It's okay to shoot one or two shots at 25 yards so that you can then move on and know you're going to hit with reasonable accuracy where you're aiming at, at 100 yards or 200 yards, wherever you picked a zero. And make, uh, you can make single shot adjustments if they're way off, but once yep. you get close, shoot a group so that when you make a correction, you know it's, it's relative to the center of the group, not right. the center of one individual shot. And then you get an idea of how that rifle is actually going to perform and what the cone of fire you can expect yeah. on your hunting yeah. trip. And I would say too, with like a, the more budget end rifles, um, that those barrels are most likely going to be a button barrel. I call it a, a factory grade button barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might, 
might want to let those cool off in between these groups. I wouldn't shoot more than maybe five, five to yep. ten. If I mean, you can try it out for yourself, but if you see things start going wonky after yeah. you shoot your third or fourth or fifth shot, then you know, hey, just keep this, keep the barrel cool. Yep, yep. Yeah. Those barrels yeah, those, like to be cool usually. The small profile hunting rifles, yeah, absolutely. Shoot even if you want to shoot three shots, let it cool and then shoot back into your group that's totally fine you don't have to shoot all 10 or 20 at once yeah right so let's let's shift gears a little bit sticking with that hunting rifle but let's jump into maybe a little bit more of a precision hunting rifle you know i think uh what comes to mind the springfield waypoint 2020 for example you've got the Bruger with the hawkeye long range you've got christensen arms with their carbon fiber barrels proof research all Mm -hmm. of these on the shelf rifles, you know, the Remington 700 long range, the Remington Alpha 1, all these rifles pick them up off the shelf and they're built accordingly to provide some extended range type performance. And then, you know, here in the office, gosh, sky's the limit. Uh, I, I, I just assembled a 6.5 PRC just a couple weeks ago, proof 20 inch uh, manners that I bought from Jacob. <laughs> it's kind of a parts gun, really, you just yeah. kind of leftover stuff. Uh, a, a nice Zermatt TL3 action, oh, yeah. and uh, it's a really a sweet rifle. So, for those guys that are wanting to be able to have the capability to shoot just a little bit further than normal in a hunting situation, what is what do you guys do different uh, to zero that rifle versus a traditional traditional hunting rifle? And what are some common pitfalls that we've seen uh, in in doing so that that is going to make them eventually miss their target well first off it's going to be the exact same as the the factory rifle you're going to want to start either at that 25 yards or bore sight it every yep. single gun starts that way is you know if it's my seven thousand dollar match rifle i shoot that zeroing the same way as a three hundred dollar you know savage axis setup yep that you buy off the shelf it, it all start starts with either a bore sight or shooting at 20 25 yards to get close okay so i what I've experienced is people get these rifles or build these rifles and they have, you know, the ballistic know-how and they have the, you know, Ford off on their phone. They have all these things and, and the rifle's capable of shooting good groups at, at longer ranges, but they'll, they'll do those things that you do with the traditional hunting rifle. They'll bore sight it. They'll shoot it at 25. They'll shoot it at a hundred, but they'll shoot a three shot group. Oh, yep. Good enough. And then they're off to the races. I got to shoot 500, 600, 800 yards. They don't spend a lot of time focusing on where that rifle is truly zero. They shoot a three-shot group, roughly call it good at 100 yards, and then they just can't stop but go long. Mm-hmm. And I love shooting stuff far away too. But uh, what's different about getting a better zero at 100 yards for that precision hunting type aspect? Yeah, that's any time that you're going to push the push the limits uh, push the range out a little bit to where you're going to have to adjust for it with uh with your scope turret or or a bdc or whatever you're doing um <clears throat> the it it drives the importance more and more that your zero actually is is zero like that you're actually correct um and i think Jaden covered this with or somebody has i'm sure in our podcast with like your ballistic calculator that you're using to get all your dope from, yep. if you tell it, I have a hundred yard zero, it forces your zero to be correct. If your hundred yard zero is actually a half minute high or low, well, yeah. that's going to carry through with all or the calculations. A, a quarter minute, an eighth minute. Right. And yep. then you throw in wind to that right. application. Now 
is your zero 100? Well, you tell it it's 100, but what if it's 115? Right. What if it's yeah. 97? Right. What and if same it's thing, yeah, left or right. Left or right, if you have a little bit of a bias and the wind is calling for something and you're like, okay, we'll do that. But then, yeah, you're, you're, that bias yeah. is going to stay there. Your zero errors that, are, that exist at whatever zero range you have is just going to carry through linearly through everything that you do, every distance. So for, yeah, I, for that kind of thing, I'll shoot 10 shots for a zero at a minimum. I mean, obviously, Again, yeah. More is better, but yeah. so, and I would agree with you. I think 10 shots, you know, if, if, if we're talking practical ranges, and this is not a podcast to talk about what is practical as far as long range shots on a, on a animal go, but you know, inside of a half a mile, 800 yards or so in, in, um, I would encourage listeners to explore zero angle, which we'll talk about in our precision rifle here in just a couple minutes. Um, but explore zero angle. Uh, we outlined it really well in our Ford off podcast. Uh, if you have continued questions, we'll continue to answer them because it is the way and the light, but for, uh, you know, let's say the majority of shots going to be sub 500 certainly sub 600 there's a very small percentage that might occur after that and everybody wants to romanticize about long range shots you know while hunting reality is most of them occur sub 500 or certainly sub 600 it's great to be prepared but for those shots you can you can still use a zero range you can still be effective you just want to have a better idea of what that range exactly is so you're saying you shoot 10 shots so Mm -hmm. With a carbon fiber barrel, for example, or a steel hunting weight barrel, how do you guys zero those in regard to barrel heat? Because that's a that's yeah, a it's the same yeah. it's the same thing with both of those. I would say, well, I mean, because you're going to have a mix of still you're in that realm of where you can get button rifle barrels that may or may not be ideally stress relieved. Um, you, even some of the carbon wrap stuff is still a button rifle barrel that we've seen heat cause issues with so yeah, well they'll want to walk on right yeah. and and even some of the nicer cut rifle uh, carbon wrap barrels don't shoot as well as they could if you keep hammering rounds through them. yeah well, yeah and I've, it's all heat yeah I've, it's, I've it's got heat a, related i've got a pretty slick seven prc it's got a real skinny fluted hs barrel and that thing i'll i'll shoot three or four shots then i'll just put it aside and let it cool for 20 minutes and then i'll come back and shoot three more three or four more shots into the group because I've seen that rifle, if I if I let it cool in between, that rifle will shoot about a minute and a quarter. If I just pound ten rounds out of it, it's going to shoot two minutes, two two and a quarter minutes. It's just that's a lot of heat going through yeah, a really yeah. small. Barrel. And that's the other thing too. Like the hunters are are going to be more apt to have magnum yeah. cartridges yep. that are going to more powder. Heat, yeah, heat things yep. up even quicker. Yeah. So. and they're more apt to shoot less shots in the field, right? So right. you don't. You don't want to simulate your zero based on a situation you're right. rarely going to experience, which is a hot barrel. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's something too, to pay attention to, especially for hunters, because that's an entirely first round hit yeah. centered is to look for if there is any difference between cold bore or what, you know, your first shot, if your first shot of the group is always, you know, like the, the one that tends to be the high right one, well, maybe you need to zero accordingly yeah. focus maybe, maybe on that shoot one. one or two shots and let it cool so yeah. that way you know exactly where those first few shots are going to hit because absolutely ideally you're going to be taking one shot and you have a game your game animal ethically taken but there's situations two or three is yeah. definitely on the table to to get that thing down so you know shoot what you would expect to be your max rounds to get something down ethically right yeah. and i think uh jaden outlined this as well in, in uh uh several podcasts but where what he does on a hunting rifle, similar to what we all do, I like to shoot a 
three shot group uh with my like seven prc or my six five prc for example some i have six five creedmoors i'll shoot a five shot group no problem but you're right. burning significantly less powder 30 or 40 percent less powder than a big magnum right so but i'll shoot a three shot group say with my seven prc let it cool come back on the same target same condition same day i just let it cool and i'll take that point of aim same point of aim and put three more shots into that group and i'll do that until i have either nine or 12 shots there yep and you know not everybody has the benefit of having a range at work like we do where we can do that throughout the whole day but yeah you know say a guy goes out to the range and you're planning on doing exactly that we'll bring like a 223 or a 22 so you can shoot your three shots with your hunting rifle you can mess around with something else while that cools yeah, off so that way you're not practice. sitting yeah barricade practice that'd be you yep. know a really good good time use there yes Mm-hmm. You don't have to just sit there and twiddle your thumbs for half an hour between shots. Just, you know, figure out something else to do. If you're going to spend your Saturday yep. getting your hunting rifle set up and you want to spend that time up front, making sure everything is just dead nuts, ready to go. Because, you know, say you've got an $8,000 elk hunt, you want to make sure that thing is ready to go. You don't want to, you know, waste time doing a three shot group saying, oh, it's good to go. And then assume you're good out to 800 yards if you had to. Yep. It's I, just it's a recipe to, for, for disaster. disaster. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other thing I would say for, for like that long range or whatever, yeah, longer range hunting setup, is, you're, you're getting into the realm where you're going to have to start testing your equipment a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would run, run your turrets out and run them back in. And then, so maybe you get your good 10 shot, zero, 10, 15 shot, zero at a hundred and you're happy with how that is. Spend the rest of the day running it out to range, but then at the end of the day, come back after you've adjusted everything back to zero and verify your, your zero. That's a great point. You need to know your equipment. You need to know one, what your cone of fire is. You know, do you have a one minute rifle, which in large scale is somewhat rare, (laughs) uh, contrary to manufacturers, you know, half minute guarantee and stuff to have a true one minute rifle that will always produce one MOA is, is saying something. But you want to know what that quota fire is. You can do that. That's pretty, I'd say that's pretty reasonable for some of those higher end hunting rifles. Right. Yeah. But, but it is very important to know that because say, you know, I know my seven PRC shoots a minute and a quarter. Well, I can use that to give myself kind of a, a rough idea of where it is an ethical, you know, limit to my, my distance on the shot taken. Say, is it 600? Well, how big are the vitals at at 600? Am I still keeping all of my shots within that mm-hmm. or is it starting to get outside there where my shot placement might not be as good so yeah. it is really important to know the capabilities of your rifle system for that absolutely yeah. and especially good for chasing your tail down range oh, because yeah. if you're 500 yards out and you have one that goes you know a little bit higher than you would think it should but then as you keep shooting the whole group is just a little bigger than you'd like it to be but it, it's centered where you want it to be i mean that's it's better to know that than to adjust off that first round that went a little bit higher a little bit low exactly yep. so it's just a little bit more refinement a little bit more attention and i think back to a couple of years ago uh i had a an elk hunt in colorado and i was shooting a 190 grain cx bullet uh they were hand loaded in a 300 wind mag in uh they were doing Man, I forget the velocity. Either way, a 190 grain CX bullet. And I had been shooting this rifle leading up to the hunt. I think I, it was an industry event and I received the rifle, I think in August and it was a late October hunt. So I had plenty of time to get familiar with this rifle and I hand loaded for it uh, because we don't make the 190 CX available in 300 wind mag ammo because it's too long of a bullet for Sammy specs, but I could hand load it and it would work. 
And this rifle is a factory Savage 300 Win Mag uh, in their Impulse, nice fluted barrel. And I'll tell you what, that rifle is probably one of the more accurate factory rifles I've ever shot, and more so, probably the most accurate 300 Win Mag I've ever shot that had a, a presumably a standard Sammy chamber. Um, anyways, I'd spent all of September and August and the better part of October preparing for this hunt and shooting this rifle. and I did exactly that. I did two five-shot groups. I could get away with it. It would pound five-shot groups with these 190CXs, just just wad them up. So I had a 10-shot zero and practiced and practiced and stretched the legs. And when it came down to it, it came down to the fifth day of the hunt, 20 minutes before the sun went down. And there's one shot opportunity, the only shot opportunity that I'd had in the five days at 720 yards. Was able to look at Ford off. I watched the wind for 10 minutes before the shot, and I knew exactly the impact velocity I was going to have and was super confident, almost to the point of not arrogance, but I was, there was no, I was prone with a rifle system that I knew really, really well and uh, was able to take that, that shot and put it exactly where I wanted to. And that was very confidence-inspiring in hindsight to know that I did all the homework that I could and that I had a good zero and I wasn't just three or five shots and if i if i missed was it me was it the wind or was it i just had the wrong zero right yeah that is a perfect situation to show you you did all of your work up front and you know what the rifle's capable of you've practiced with it so you were confident with it and you had success because of it yeah it's a really good situation awesome out here you may only get one chance So never compromise at any distance. Match accurate ELDX bullets, highest BCs, flat trajectories, and unparalleled terminal performance at all practical ranges. Precision Hunter ammunition from Hornady. Well, I mentioned Ford off. I wanted to bring this up. Uh, we'll talk about it here with the PRS and competitive rifle uh, zeroing. But in regard to hunting rifle and kind of precision hunting, if you're using a Hornady bullet or any bullet from most of the major manufacturers out there and it's in Ford off, you guys need to be, as a listener, you need to be doing yourself a service. Download the app. It's free. You will hit what you're aiming at more often than using uh, some traditional BC-based calculator that's going to have errors. And one of the things that Ford off allows you to do is use a zero angle, which we'll talk about here. If your bullet that you're shooting is not in Ford off, we still offer a BC-based calculator that has something called atmospheric zero, and it allows you to establish your zero in the crosswinds that you're experiencing at the time you zero. And that's a big deal because you are shooting in a crosswind, and that's going to affect your bullet even as close as 100 yards and that can affect your zero range if you're still using the zero range so that's something i wanted our listeners to be aware of yeah yeah so yeah. that kind of comes back to how miles had mentioned uh, you know if you're off a little bit left or right or if there's a, a crosswind the reason why that might be off a little bit so you have things like aerodynamic jump and obviously wind drift and spin drift that are affecting the bullet so if you're just assuming that your bullet crosses dead nuts at 100 yards that's what your app is saying. So if I shot and I zeroed at a three mile an hour wind and then I came out to the range a different day 
and it's 10 mile an hour wind, well, the app is still going to assume that it's going dead nuts through the center. And the, everybody knows that's just not true because you have different wind, you have, you'll have a little bit of different aerodynamic jump and a, a bu- bunch of other things involved with that. So what atmospheric zero and zero angle will do for you is you'll measure all of those atmospheric conditions. So your altitude, pressure, temperature, humidity, and very important, your wind conditions. And you'll tell the app, this is what it, this is what the environment was doing when I zeroed. And then the app will spit out a, a number in, a, in the form of an angle, as well as a windage offset that will correspond with that. So now you're telling the app, in these conditions, my bullet went here. So when, you know, a really good example is we, you know, we live at like 1600 foot elevation. You go out to a hunt out, out west and you're at, you know, four, five, six thousand, you know, thousands of feet elevation higher than we are here. Well, your zero is going to be a little bit different because your atmospheric conditions are different. Sure. And that will also compensate for it as well. Cause you, I mean, how many guys you hear, I zeroed my rifle, you know, out in Nebraska, whatever, and I go out to Wyoming shooting prairie dogs or whatever, and I, my zero's way off. Well, that's part of it is your atmospheric conditions have changed, and the app is still assuming that you're going at, you know, dead nuts at 100 yards, when in, in reality, that's not happening. Right on. So, yeah. yeah. If you're using a BC calculator and you notice every time you go to shoot, your zero's a little bit different, maybe try Ford off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now shifting gears into the competitor, right? So now you've got really high-end rifles. You really need to know where that bullet uh, is crossing your line of sight so that you can make accurate corrections for downrange hits. And man, you look at the top five, sometimes the top 10 finishers of a national level PRS match, one or two hits might separate five competitors. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It's hyper competitive. And so... How do you guys go about zeroing your precision rifles? We've got some cool acoustic targets that allow us to cheat. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. we plug 20 or 30 rounds at a known distance and known conditions. Uh, and those acoustic targets pick up the shot extremely precisely. Um, so we can differentiate where each bullet hole is. And we have a, an Excel sp- or a, I get we can generate an Excel spreadsheet yeah. printout of it, and then we can go in and manipulate that data. But uh, to find exactly where it is relative to where we were aiming, and and get get our zero angle set up, really yeah. really true to the average point of impact. Yeah, yeah. and the the stuff that we use it's it's called a shot marker made by Auto Trickler. But there's a lot of products in the market available to everybody, so it's not like just something yeah. that we've got. Yeah. Um, but I was gonna say the, the way to do that same thing without the shot marker or whatever uh, is to do a dot drill and you just aim dead center, get a, get a, a dot drill target that has just one inch or half inch dots, whatever you want, but you got 20 or 25 of them on a sheet of paper and you hold exactly the same point of impact. Same on, point of aim. Or same point of aim. Yeah. Same point of aim on every single one of those. And you just go through and then you can measure them all individually and then find where the average in point of impact is. And then that's what you'll feed into whatever, but if you're a ballistic calculator allows you to have, uh, an elevation and a windage offset or you z- do your zero angle on Ford off based off of that average point of impact yeah, of, yeah. And of then, a large sample of shots at a, at a known distance in known conditions. And then of course we've got uh, group analysis within that's Ford That's a off big app. one. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that that's, you know, you shoot your group of 10, 20, whatever, however many shots you want. But we and highly recommend no less than 10. Yeah. yeah. No, no less than 10 will, will get you at least 
more accurate than the people shooting threes and fives. You're going to have some errors in your dispersion because of that. But yeah, you, you'll measure out every single impacts XY coordinates and get your average impact location. And then you'll go in and you'll set your zero angle based off of that. And it's, it's really nice using zero angle. Cause how many times have you seen guys that are, you know, their zero is either just a little left or a little right. It's in between clicks on turrets and it just drives people nuts. Well, really you can does. just go into the app and tell the app, like, you know, I hit half of a 10th of a mil right and it'll correct it for you. Yeah. That's a big one. I think, uh, to rewind a little bit, precision rifle zeroing starts just like the package rifle zero. Oh, yeah. Bore sight it, shoot go, it yeah. at twenty five. Go through, make sure everything's tight. Tight, yeah. Yep. So those, yeah, you can't we, can't escape that. Yeah, we've, we've never seen that happen yeah. before. <laughs> those, you can throw more money at it, but you can't escape the basics. So you get uh, at least a ten. A lot of us shoot twenties. Uh, I don't know. Some guys I, shoot thirties. Yeah. I I usually shoot a thirty for my match gun. You shoot twenty or thirty usually, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 So the more the merrier there because it helps you get an idea of where the true center of your cone of dispersion lies. Right. And then... And I guess a point on that because we're, you know, whatever, yammering on about it. But <laughs> the the point is that um, you have a shot cloud when you... If, if I'm at 800 yards, right, then there's the level of dispersion has spread out enough that like the rifle, if I bolted it down to a 2,000 pound stone and just fired... A, a thousand rounds through it, I'm going to have a cone of fire. Okay. And there's a dispersion to that. There's like a, a profile to that. Most of them are going to hit closer to the center. And then as you get further out, you'll have less and less probability. But if this is the center of my target, this is where I'm aiming. And I shift that down a 10th of a mil. You think, oh, a 10th of a mil at 800 yards. Who cares? It's like two point something inches, three mm-hmm. inches, right? Who cares? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting at a 1.5 minute plate, you know, I'm shooting at yeah, whatever, right? What's three inches. Well, you took that whole cloud of your possible hits and you move it down. And it turns out, if you look at it, you can slice away 10, 10 to 15, sometimes 20% of your hit probability of your first round hit probability can get wiped away by being a 10th of a mil off. Yeah. So it, it really matters on the long range stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, granted wind is usually the biggest error, but that all adds up together. Yeah, I mean, if you yeah. take, you know, seven to twenty percent out because you're half a tenth off or a tenth off on your zero, and then you also add you're off two to three mile an hour on your wind call, mm-hmm. that number is not going to get better because you're off on your wind call. It's just going to continue to get worse. Right. Yeah. And and so it, it just depends. It's application dependent how much that matters to you. Because like I said, the guy that's shooting an, an eight inch kill zone on a deer at at two hundred yards, yeah. if he's a if he's half a click off, who yeah. who cares? Yeah. But if you're shooting at like a one minute of angle target, KYL rack, right? Yeah. A KYL rack or a minute and a half target out to twelve hundred yards, then yeah, it, yeah, it absolutely matters. Yep. And that zero angle that we use in Ford off is so great because I. We've all seen this. You show up to the match. It's Friday. Everybody's on the zero range. Everybody's tweaking their stuff. And you know that they were tweaking their stuff before they left the match. And now they're retweaking it now because they're chasing what they think is zero because they're stuck on zero range. And they don't understand that the range is simply an arbitrary distance that in that specific atmospheric condition where it crossed your line of sight, where zero angle jumps in it corrects for all of that it takes into account that actual uh, departure angle of the line of sight relative to your bore axis basically 
so that you get a environmental zero that is mechanically fixed and uh, you can't can't duplicate yeah. that with a zero range right yeah, yeah. I, I think the only way to to screw it up is to bump your scope internals around or bump yeah. your barrel around yeah um, I, I think it is fair to say like a lot of those guys that are tweaking it every you know before every match on on the friday before they're still seeing success because those conditions aren't changing that much from when they zero to the next day mm-hmm. for that weekend because they're all in the same location you know biggest factor at that point is wind but i i don't know probably the last five or six matches i hadn't even taken my gun out of the truck that we showed up to like i shot a match it was what two weeks ago in indiana left my gun at the hotel for the registration day and i i ended up shooting relatively well for me i shot like 77 percent impacts and i'm typically a 60 65 percent impact kind of guy and it like i didn't have to mess with my stuff because my zero angle was set i didn't right. shoot a zero i didn't go out and shoot steel to make sure everything was good i knew as long as my equipment didn't get damaged i was going to be good to go and it, and it was and the, and i think the other thing that people chase around is that a lot of the bc based solvers don't handle aerodynamic jump very well oh my gosh yeah. and they not are... to diverge into a whole tangent there <laughs> well but it's worth noting because wind when present affects your bullet at distances as close as 100 yards right and most bc based solvers don't account for aerodynamic jump period yeah. the applied ballistic solver does but it's an empirical based formula that often over exaggerates the effects of aerodynamic jump yeah it it takes some generalizations of it because it it doesn't have the the true inertias or the model of the bullet so it it has to make so it makes a lot of assumptions that you know for the most part gets you pretty close but if you want it what it actually happens you're gonna have to have a model of the bullet with the cg locations you know all of the physical relationships of the bullet are involved in ford off so it like it's not just a, a shot in the dark or a, an assumption. It's it's yeah. what the actual values yeah. are. And, again, and just for listeners at home, if if just pay attention when you, when you go out and shoot and check zero. But if you if you notice, oh hey, wind's coming left to right one day, and I zero. Okay, and when you go out to shoot again, see is wind coming left to right, right to left, head on, tailwind, and and see you'll you'll see those little differences where if I zeroed with just a little bit of a headwind, or if I zeroed when it was perfectly calm. And then you get those those different wind conditions. Try it at 100 yards and watch watch. You know your wind will change just a little bit, but then your elevation you'll see a tenth or two yeah. up or down. You know along with that, uh, it's just something for people. A lot of people aren't even aware of it, honestly. Right. And so it's just something to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. And on on that note, you know, I've been to quite a few matches where somebody in my group is is using a, a BC solver, and you know, say we've got a left to right wind all day. And he kind of struggles for the first few stages. Then he gets his dope figured out. Well, now the wind is coming from right to left and all of a sudden he's got issues again. That's probably because it's not handling aerodynamic jump properly. I would say uh, for the listeners out there, certainly the competitors out there that are listening, it's the 21st century. Get with the times and use uh, a modern calculator that actually has the exact physical model plus the drag coefficients and everything that goes along with it. Uh, in a free app, yeah. off. It's it's simply uh, it's simply the the future, and the future is now. You don't <laughs> have to struggle with yeah. the 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 problems that using a simple BC based solver yeah. generates. Just because it costs more doesn't necessarily mean it's better. Yeah. yeah, that's one of those things. It's I mean it's hard. Okay, yeah, I get it. I work at Hornady. I wear the Hornady <laughs> shirt, but like that's one of those things that is like a legitimate good 
good thing that I've, yeah. I'm, yeah, whole, wholesale it's a, sold yeah, on. It's advanced it, the industry. Yeah. It really has. Oh, yeah. Because you can, you can see, oh, okay, I set this up. As long as you set your profile up exactly, you know, correctly, then yeah, it's a, it's a robust system and it's, yeah. you don't, you, there's no more screwing around with One it. One of the things that really resonates with me, certainly, you know, I saw Ford off from its infancy to where it's at now. And I used BC-based calculators, the same ones everybody else is still using and had the same problems everybody else is experiencing. One of the things that resonates the most is you always hear garbage in, garbage out. You put bad data in, you'll get bad data out. Okay, well, with a BC-based solver, you can give it all the data that you know as accurately as you can possibly measure it, and you still get bad data out uh, until you you finger it enough to to make things jive for a, you know, a, a window of time or your environment. Yeah. But with Ford off, you get, you put good data in, you get good data out. And that's right. one of the things that always, uh, like I said, resonated with me as Ford off became more and more prominent and easy to use was you actually put good data in, you actually right. get good yeah. data out versus and the you BC see, stuff. Well, and that's the funny thing too, is you see people trying to use the old tricks with oh, Ford yeah. off and it's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. If you just measured your muzzle velocity with a good chronograph, like yeah. a labrador or something, you know what that is. Yeah, you, that's the you, last thing you want to be messing you with. Leave you that know what alone. the value like, is. Yeah, hundred percent. Leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, you almost and need like a figure out like you a Catholic have, school. Yeah, Pow, yeah, right? I mean, you have something else in there that is wrong. Whether yeah. it's your side overbore or something else is. Yeah, it's, anybody can sit in a BC solver and mess with your muzzle velocity and your your BC value until you get a number that matches up at your you know your eight hundred yard dope. But what happens the next day when it's you know thirty degrees different or you're wind is totally different. Oh shoot, your stuff's all messed up again. Yep. And now you got to tune or tweak it again. Like yeah. just so. measure everything you can up front. So, you know, you sight height, muzzle velocity, uh, mean point of impact. Like those are all things you can physically measure really easily, you know, shoot out to 800,000 yards, adjust your form factor and you're done. You don't, you don't need yeah. to mess with it. Don't you're good to it. go. Yeah, yeah. Don't touch it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, before we continue to beat this dead horse, let's shift gears to the last thing I want to talk about, which is thermal. The Hornady Auto Charge Pro, providing precise, customizable powder dispensing in an easy to use space-saving unit. The new modernized load cell is precise to within 0.1 grain. The AutoCharge Pro offers customizable trickle speeds for various powder types, as well as custom trickle time settings. With a smaller footprint than competing brands, the AutoCharge Pro still offers a large powder capacity hopper. The AutoCharge Pro from Hornady. You know, for me and a, a lot of other people, just now at like the, the entry level, but you guys very experienced in thermal, so I'd be curious to, to hear how you guys set up your thermal and how you zero that. Uh, I guess I'm lucky enough that the resolution on mine is usually good enough. I can see steel plates at the, the little local range that, that lets us shoot at night there. Mm. Um, so I will, you can actually, one, you can see the steel and then when you shoot it, you can see the hot spot from where you hit. Wow. Um, so that's usually the way I'll go about it. But <clears throat> barring that, you can take like paper targets and staple a hand warmer to, yeah, I mean, to the point of impact. I still do that even. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that yeah. at all. That's a, that's a solid, that's probably the most solid way to go. At what range are you doing this? Uh, depends on the application. Um, I'm more apt to do the point blank range zero with thermal stuff because there's not really a good way to get range 
Yeah, it's really difficult to, to tell how far stuff is with thermal. Yeah, yeah. so so mostly it's uh, yeah. By by gosh and by golly, yeah, he looks like he's within two hundred. Let's let's take <laughs> okay, the shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'll set it up with like a two hundred yard, two hundred and twenty yard, something like that, zero. So that yeah, yeah. And so you're yep. using the the hand warmer as well. Yep. So I usually use the hand warmer. Uh, very similar because again, shooting at night, you know, distance is hard to tell. You also want to you know, make sure you hit what you're shooting at. So you're not going to take shots too far. So I stick with kind of the, the max point blank zero type, uh, approach as miles. I, I usually set up a hand warmer on a big clean sheet of cardboard at 50 to 75 yards at home. And I'll shoot a couple shots and I'll go up there and I'll measure how, how far off it is. And I'll adjust my, my thermal sight until it, you know, is as close to center as I can. And then I like to back up to a hundred yards, shoot a steel plate that's clean so I can see right where it's impacting. So I know, you know, if I see a, a coyote at a hundred yards, this is about where I should expect it to sure. hit. And if I have the time or the opportunity to go shoot three or 400 yards, just to see worst case where that's going to be. And I'll, I'll tweak that up and down just, just to make it. So I've got as flat a fire as possible. So that way I know I can hit everything from 10 yards to 200 without really having to mess with holdovers. Right on. I, I haven't done this personally, but I have heard of this being done. Uh, aluminum tape. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just yeah, a yeah. roll of aluminum yep. tape. You can cut it, make an X or a square or a box or whatever you want. Yep. Tape that to your target and that uh, gives you a really good aiming yeah. point yeah. as well. And Therm- thermal's great for finding cans in the ditch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just because, yeah, all that metal stuff, it reflects it. I don't know. It has like a sheen to it. Looks, yeah. yeah. Yep. Looks like it's reflected in sunlight too. And if you're lucky, sometimes the conditions are just like magically perfect. And if you've got a piece of paper for your target, that's got some pretty different colors on it. Like you got a white with a, a pretty heavy black center dot or something. Sometimes you can see it. It just really, really depends yeah. on yeah, the conditions. Yeah, that's true. A lot of times you can sight the thermal in in the daytime. Yeah. With if you get like the high contrast NRA targets that are white with a black bowl, mm-hmm. the black bowl will collect heat, yeah. and you can see that. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. yeah. If you just put up a fresh sheet, and a lot of times you can see it. It awesome. just kind of depends on the thermal and the conditions. Yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. You guys do a max point blank range kind of deal, and yeah, range estimation way harder at night. They, you know, Pulsar for example has thermal range finders but uh you know they just get more expensive and are they really it's a great product i've used one it's absolutely fantastic but for the guy just trying to shoot some raccoons during you know fur harvest season or shoot coyotes or something yeah. uh, unless you're really into it or if you're doing competitions you know in texas fur or uh, coyote competitions fox competitions are thousands upon thousands of dollars right. yeah. over the winter so maybe there but uh, yeah, max point blank range, effective. You guys sight your stuff in at a closer range yeah. and yeah. stretch the legs out. Yeah. That's, I think around here too, we kind of get boxed into oh, yeah. the size of a cornfield. Oh, yeah. So yeah. most of our ranges are limited to, yeah. to yeah. that anyway. So but it, I mean, it's absolutely a, a kind of close enough game for, for that stuff, for, for me anyways, because it's, if I can hit an eight inch plate standing at a hundred yards, or if I can hit a six or an eight inch plate at 300 off a tripod, I'm happy because I'm going to kill everything I shoot. Yeah. At. And the dogs tend to be a little bit more brazen at, at nighttime. Yeah. So yeah. You, you know, you put the call on, oh, it's yeah. not always that difficult to get them to break that 300 yard line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, Every, we've, everything we've, <laughs> behaves a little differently at night. Yeah. yeah we, we've got a coyote at 400 yards, but that was pretty, pretty lucky. Everything else has been well within 150 yeah. yards. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for walking us through how you guys would zero rifles and how not 
to do uh, a rifle zero. Yeah. Um, before I let you guys go, I can't uh, I can't remember asking you guys, so I got to throw it out there. Jacob, if you had to pick one cartridge and one bullet for the rest of your life, what are you picking? One cartridge, one bullet? Unlimited ammo, unlimited guns. For for everything, matches, hunting, everything? You name it. Man, it'd probably have to be a 6.5 Creedmoor. And if I wanted to hunt, I'd probably pick a 143 LDX if I just wanted to shoot all general stuff, 147 LDM. Yeah. yeah well, hard, you got to pick one, it, so the 143 it is. Yeah, yeah. I guess it'd be probably about a 13, 14 pound 6.5 Creedmoor with well, you could have. You could have. 27 rifles. Oh, well, in that case, you know, I'd have a 10-pound Creedmoor and I'd have a 20-pound Creedmoor shooting 143 yield EX. Awesome. Easy. Miles, this is every, the internet needs to know. What are you going to pick? Um, I'm really torn. I want, I want the six millimeter arc to work, but I don't think it's got enough juice for some of the bigger stuff I'd like to hunt. So I'm, I'm probably in that same world. I'll probably, I'll probably do 6.5 Creedmoor with 143. Not a 6.5 yeah. PRC going, stick it with the Creedmoor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Creed, Creedmoor's a, you know, does everything. Yeah. And it's not very labor intensive as far as maintenance goes. You know, yeah. You can, the 143 you can shoot matches with. I would, don't think I'd have any problems there. You yeah, shot a couple people that have. Yeah. yeah you yeah. have. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, that's just enough bullet to get into the game with the right shot. The game that, yeah, yeah the, most of the time it's deer and smaller. But yeah, yeah, occasionally if I wanted to do a closer range shot at an elk or something, yeah. I think it'd handle it. Another yeah. interesting thing, how many 6.5 Creedmoor rifles, like factory rifles, have you seen shoot poorly? Because, like, uh, I can count I on can one hand. Like, the, there was one uh, very economical rifle that uh, an employee ordered. I believe the brand out here, but it showed up and it did not shoot at all. Uh, turns out there was no rifling yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah. exchange that with the manufacturer for one that was rifled, and yeah, you've, you've got a $350 gun that shoots a minute. I, I've seen a lot of really cheap, economical 6.5 Creedmoor factory rifles just wad them up. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it is great. Awesome. Well, great choices, guys. And thanks again for walking us through how not to zero a rifle and how to zero your rifles. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yep. All right, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast and found it at least a little bit educational on some things we do to zero the rifles. You know, uh, to quote the Big Lebowski, this is just like our opinion, man. Uh, but there are some helpful tips in here. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you on the next one.